I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. Seems like I was only talking to Benji a few hours ago, and that's actually because that was the case. We're recording the Benelux Tour, Bingo Bongo Tour, Enico Tour, various iterations of this race, Bing Bang Tour recap. Because uh, we missed stages five, six, and seven, as it was unfortunately across the Vuelta Espana. We should have been this week, but back with Benji, the rat thing doled up as always, and this show is supported by our show partner, LaCole. Start with stage five, which was won by Caleb Ewan from Reims to Bilsen. It's actually quite a selective, uh, quite selective course. Like 33 riders finished in the front group. It wasn't as big a group as the Ardoi. Alta Aldoi stage at Mali won the day before. We have like little 3K, 7%, 6% climbs to Lettenberg. But uh, Bahrain were the strongest. They had Morich. They had Hausler. This is where Hausler, he did a lead out in the last kilometer and he pulled off and then he went straight back into the train. And then Morich tries to do exactly the same thing to Sagan. So Bahrain are... They're doing the quick step dark arts this year in the lead outs for Colbrelli and they're on form in this race. But they had Caleb Ewan in this group. He made it over the hills and he they took him to the finish. They didn't try and attack. They had Sagan on his wheel and Caleb Ewan was able to come around Colbrelli who jumped a little bit early, not in dominant fashion. It wasn't easy. Colbrelli was very strong on this sort of uphill drag, but Caleb Ewan won the stage in the end ahead of uh, Colbrelli, Van Poppel, Sagan. Sturvin, Melier, Turnison, Morich, Laporte, and Oliver Narsen. You know, the name missing there is Benji, Mads Pedersen. Yeah, indeed. Seems like uh, the hillier parkours when it comes to the sprints didn't seem to fit him too much this year, it seems, because on the flatter sprints, he's been performing better, the ones that had a longer run in. And I honestly don't know if he crashed in the stage or not. I uh, don't think so, but he seems to have finished on 8 minutes 35. So. That's on paper the type of group that you're in after you drop on the hills, I would expect. Yeah, so I think Ewan was a little bit underrated for this stage. I'm still holding out hope for Caleb Ewan in World Champs, um, destroying Benji's wife and art who forgot to bring a lead out to what will be a Not fucking happening. <laughs> so hey, Stephen can lead out. <laughs> <laughs> he does it for Peterson all the time. <laughs> he did. He did. And he dropped him off early, about 150 meters early, twice in one week. And let's see how that went. Well, <laughs> you're coming Jesus. around. For <laughs> some reason, Sven Dornhout doesn't want to bring Alps and Phoenix guys. No Rickard, no DeBont, no Yanni Vermeer. Yeah, but you, you said it. Merlier came around and Merlier's not there. And Ewan didn't come around him. <laughs> True. Yeah. I don't know who's going to lead him out. It's how well, they should bring Hausler, honestly, Hausler for you, and I'd like to see yeah. that combo because they should have signed him at Lotto. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Hausler, I love the guy. Roubaix right. winner this year has to happen. We're getting sidetracked uh, with our love for Heinrich Hausler. <laughs> He's still so good. Anyway, stage six was from Ottini, Levin, Leneuve to Hoffelis. I presume is this in the uh, 
Wallany region, Benji. This is a more selective course than the previous two stages. We have longer climbs all put together. We have 3.8Ks at 5.4%, 1,200 metres at 6.2%, a flatter finish than a flatter run into the finish than uphill drag, 205Ks, a very difficult course. And once again, Bahrain were the strongest with uh, Cold Brilliant Morris, but it was Asgren with, uh, I think, Lampard or uh, Dries Evidence, Benji, trying to spice it up, which almost backfired in the end for them. Yes, certainly. I think that the most notable attack, though, was uh, the one with 50k to go. I think it was on a, on a climb called like Côte de Saint-Hoc or something like that. I uh, could be wrong on that, but that's how I have it memorized. And we had a move by Mohoric, Hirsch, and Colbrelli. And those three riders stayed away quite a bit from that point onwards. And there was some fun in that. I feel like at 49 kilometers to go, just after attacking, we saw that Mohoric was actually asking for a relay in the group. And obviously, Hirschi's not going to take over because there's two Bahrain riders. And he was literally looking at Cobrelli, come on, man, take over. And Cobrelli was like, nope, I'm sitting here at the back. I'm not doing this. And uh, Mohoric kept on pacing from that point onwards. And that soap wasn't really done for because that gap, kept up and that kept up and the gap was like ah, 30 40 seconds on the group behind so with Mohoric pacing they're gonna have to pace quite a bit behind to try and uh, get that gap closed in the group behind the likes of a Gilbert and a Tosh van der Sande pacing for Wellens and so forth but with 25k to go same bloody climb Mohoric actually gets a bit of a gap on Goldwelly and Hirschi like 10 meters I'm not sure if it was an actual attack or him just getting a bit of a gap because nobody caught up to his wheel which was perhaps a mistake on Hirschi's end or a sign that Hirschi was not at his best. And uh, Cobrelli closed it, that. And that was a bit of a, a surprising move by Cobrelli in my eyes because uh, Mohoric, last time I checked, was his teammate. And uh, not only that, Hirschi was able to come back as well following Cobrelli. And then Cobrelli attacks and goes solo. What do you think about Cobrelli's move there? Well, Cobrelli's like, I've got a two-second lead on GC on you, Morich, so you have to work with me on this stage. <laughs> I mean, eventually he sort of paid it back in the next stage, but yeah, it definitely was like Cobrelli was out for number one on this stage. He probably, I think he was stronger than Morich probably well. anyway, so in that sense, it makes sense, but I don't see anything wrong with also taking a turn. I think if they both take turns, they wouldn't have, they would have been strong enough to still close if he or she tried anything. He or she was just hanging on for dear life. Anyway, Colbrelli goes solo. Morich then marks a group behind. He gets subsumed into a larger group of Sturvin, Benoit, Campanas, Velens, uh, he or she, and Tom Dumoulin, who was actually looking quite good at the end of this Benelux tour. Yes. Uh, but Colbrelli wins the stage by 42 seconds ahead of those riders in that group. Nicky Assant leading a group behind with Asgren, I think, at a mechanical. Uh, from memory in one of these stages. But anyway, so Cobrelli takes a pretty commanding lead on GC of 53 seconds ahead of Campanats. Asgren, who would have been the big threat on 142 and Dumoulin on 147, way behind. Before stage seven, this is a really, really good stage. <laughs> it's a shame it's on, on Sunday. This is uh, the Namur to Herasberg and 178Ks long stage, the classic within a one-week stage race. They do the Bosberg and then the Moor multiple times. Like they do the Moor, I think, four times, five times. Three and a three quarter, and a half. perhaps, because the first three times they go over it is, is the full Moor, but the Moor they finish on, they basically finish on 
the starting portion of it. It's called the Vestin, basically the fortifications of that area in uh, historical days. So, uh, but hey, we're not a history channel here. We talk about cycling. So yeah, three and a quarter, basically. And it was the reverse of what we saw the other day. We saw it getting more selective on the Moor and then Moritz going clear with Colbrelli having to mark a group behind, of which he did. And I thought, is Colbrelli going to – is he going to scupper Moritz's chances? Because Moritz got a 20 – he's had a 20, 25-second gap. There's a group of Asgren, Sagan all behind. There, they were trying to chase initially, but then Colbrelli's marking. Guys are trying to – the group is too big. Guys are trying to attack across. And Colbrelli's marking everything, but not pulling. He's doing a great job for Moritz, who – it reminded me of his stage, maybe second stage during the Tour de France, where he was like getting really aero and where he said, I actually wasn't doing that good of power. And then you're like, you're lying. And then you look at his Strava file and you're like, oh, actually, like, <laughs> you know, it's not it's not outrageous. He's like, I was empty. The group was just dysfunctional behind. It reminded me of that. And he, I think his gap was largely due to Colbrelli because when Tom Dumoulin countered before the last quarter ascent or whatever it was of the Moor with maybe 15, 10Ks to go, Colbrelli's onto him, but that gap was being eaten into very, very quickly. I think there was also Fred Wright in that group marking moves. He came back. They were finessing so much. But eventually, Dumoulin brings Colbrelli close, and Morich gets onto the mill, wins the stage still, but then Colbrelli attacks across to make sure that he maintains his GC gap and to get the Bahrain 1-2 on the stage. So they take the stage with Morich, take the GC with Colbrelli, Dumoulin third, then Laporte, Reich, Van Poppel, Van Asbroek. Van Avermaet comes from nowhere, eighth, then Benoit and Sagan. Sagan tried a lot to come back, but he didn't really get any help from anybody. So, like, an unbelievable performance from uh, Bahrain with the 1-2 and GC with how many stages they win? Two stages with Colbrelli and Morich. I don't know. Is this Colbrelli performance surprise you, Benji? Based on this year, no. I think last year as well on this Gerard's Bergen stage, he was also in the uh, top five, I think. Ah, sixth. I was wrong. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> but uh, he was definitely performing well last year as well. And we've seen so far that he's become more of a, a sprinty climber boy instead of a climbing sprinty boy. And cobbles is also something he was good at for uh, the last few years. So it's not really surprising that he does well here. Obviously, he's just better at it than last year. And... Uh, that's how this happens. I think it's if you put these two riders in a separate team, they likely don't end up winning this race, either of them, because it was the combination of Moritz and Colbrelli being able to play into each other so well that got them in these situations where they could basically play with the competition. And yeah, that's eventually how they win. And in both stages, they end up with a situation where it's two versus one. In the first one, it was Hirschi in stage six. And then in the seventh one is was Asgreen, and those riders are just they're fucked if they're in that situation. Definitely with a rider like Colbrelli who has a sprint, while an Asgreen also can sprint, but on paper not as good as Colbrelli. And uh, Hirschi, same story, but uh, wonderful masterclass when it comes to Bahrain, and definitely when it comes to their team as well. Fred Wright, underrated performance, also his time trial was pretty good this entire week, so I'm I'm finding that a uh, a pretty cool performance and a rider that was perhaps a bit uh yeah a bit surprising that he was so good this Benelux store because of his change of rider type this entire year was the rider who finished third on GC Victor Campenarts like the way he changed from being a time trialist a year ago to what he's doing now is spectacular like 
getting third on this, being one of the most aggressive riders in this race, and being one of the better riders on the bloody Mür von Gerardsbergen shows that this man deserves to go to the World Championships. And as we uh, know from uh, a few hours ago, that is indeed the case, that he is selected for uh, the Belgian team, which is very deserving. But when it comes to Tim Wellens in this race, you see that he finishes fourth in GC, but a very passive ride, I would say, that he was on. Likely because he wasn't really able to compete with the likes of a Cobrelli and a Mohoric in these situations. And then we see that he is not selected for the World Championships, actually, for the Belgian team. Are you kind of surprised by that? No, because, I don't know, maybe ahead of turns, like turns is in there. I'm like, oh, what what is... What has Turns done? I mean, yeah, he won a, a beautiful high <laughs> mountain stage in the Tour de France, but then, okay, he came second on the in Deutschland Tour. I'm going to be frank, that Deutschland Tour competition was not great. Um, I don't think a second in a stage with a little climb in there means he should go to the World Championships behind Nils, you know, behind Nils Pollard. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think... I think they haven't brought enough lead out for Wildfanal in that team. I would have brought Edward Turns or Jonas Rickard or um, Dries de Bont even. Dries de Bont was very active in – if the plan is also to close down dangerous attacks, I think Dries de Bont is very good at that sort of thing in the last 50 kilometres of a race. Maybe not so long a race. Maybe I'm overrating up a sin. But yeah, I'm surprised. Are you surprised Turns in there? Is he friends with someone? Like, Because, yeah, that's surprising. I actually don't know. I feel like uh... – he probably just got selected because of that Deutschland Tour performance, I would say. Because uh, outside of that, I don't know of any connections personally between the coach and him. But then again, I also don't follow the uh, Belgian gossip when it comes to the team too much. So uh, I guess I... That, that's not a lie. Excuse <laughs> me with my, uh, with my microscope on every article about the Belgian team and their families and who's connected to who and who's married to who and who lives in the same city as who. <laughs> but uh, Steven, also uh, doing relatively well here, also selected, which is uh, less surprising because it's in his uh, hometown, Leuven. But uh, I was mostly surprised when it comes to the top 10 when I saw that Luke Durbridge was in it. And on one end, that's not a real surprise because he's done good couple races in the past, but it hasn't been recent, right? I'm trying to think. Was he in the right side of us? He didn't even do that good a TT. He lost 40 seconds to Bissiger in the TT. Yeah. And he's usually – is he – I feel like he was on the right side of a split on stage three or something. Um, it was in the break, but he took four seconds, so I don't <laughs> – Yeah, that's not defining. I mean, yeah, he just had a better race. I'm kind of surprised too by that. I thought he'd do a better TT in the opposite. I think the results are a little bit misleading in that Asgren had a mechanical – and laid it all on the line. Sagan also was just YOLOing, going for like Sagan could have finished higher up, but he was just going for stages, trying to chase people back and then cost himself. What about Fred Wright for the English of oh, not English, British team for the World Championships, Benji? I'd almost take him over Jake Stewart. He has been he was so good in this race. And then fifth on the Herodsbergen stage, I think he's a must include. I feel like that's the case as well but you've got so many different riders in that team that can be selected now we're looking at an Ethan Hayter we're looking at a Pitcock we're looking at Fred Wright you think that Cavendish is going to be selected for that team for example I personally would not select him for no, that parkour but <laughs> I'm not the coach so uh, I guess uh, we'll see Geraint Thomas is he going to be selected for the world championships I uh, wouldn't surprise me 
He, uh, he's done Cowboy Rice in the past. So he was here. Uh, yeah. And uh, he was in the an attack on stage six solo. And <laughs> oh, I don't know Jonas Rickard, was him attack. and Jonas Rickard who oh, just yeah. had his contract. Yeah. Four year contract extension. Like <laughs> Jesus Christ. Four years for Jonas Rick. I mean, yeah, sure, nice lead out, man, but four yeah, years. Yeah, but they're doing it with everybody. Like I think uh Vanderpool got one till twenty twenty five as well a few days yeah. ago. So uh that's the thing. I, I would give it to Vanderpol. That's fine. <laughs> and Jonas Rickard for four years. And they made a big fuss about it. And be like, what? <laughs> anyway, I'm probably being a bit. I think he's a really good writer. Like, I love him as well. I think he's great, like, great guy for the lead up. But yeah, um, he was in a break with Thomas, which was kind of interesting to see. Can I so, ask you a question? Yes, sir. Who's Logan Owen? Logan Owen is an American on Education First who was married to Chloe Diget. Jesus Christ, you know more than I do about that guy <laughs> by like a long shot. He actually uh, ended 13 on GC here and I did not see that coming at all. Yeah, wow. He is still pretty young. He's 26 years old. He's out of contract with EF Education Nipper, whether that gets him extended. There's a lot of riders still without deals for next year. We forget, yes, we're into September, but the riders I just mentioned, Fred Wright doesn't have a deal for next year. Hausler doesn't have a deal for next year. Uh, so there'd be guys like uh, – Cavendish doesn't have a deal for next year, neither does Geraint Thomas. So there's still a lot of transfer mechanics uh, still to come. I think Victor Campanats, just to go back to your point, Benji, I, what I do also like from him is if he continues like this, he's only 29, he can ensure he stays in World Tour level on teams until 35, 36, if he can perform valuably in the classics like this or classic style yeah. races. So rather than being – no one wants to sign – a guy who comes fifth or seventh in a World Tour TT a couple of times a year and then does nothing else. That's not a 34 year old version of that is not valuable to a team. So I think yeah. this is really smart from him to extend. But otherwise, pretty good Benelux Tour. Uh, it's always a pretty exciting race. Just a shame for it's uh, last year was crazy with MVDP and Mads Pedersen. An MVP one GC, but important if you want to go back and look at how people are tuning up for the World Championships. It's an important race to watch as well as Tour of Britain, obviously this week, which we won't have coverage of. I tried to get the rights video highlights rights on my main channel, and uh, it's also not a World Tour designation race. And also, Benji and I need a bit of a break. So unless Wild Art literally sets the course on fire, <laughs> we need a bit of a break. I think Wednesday is European Champs, mate. That's not a real race. That's just a <laughs> consolation race so that Rem- Remco can get some fancy bits of kit on his bike, isn't it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Who's won the European yeah. champs? Trentin, Nizzolo, who else? Jesus. Christoph? Uh, Christoph. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if Wavanart's not going and others... Is Yanni? Big- yeah. Am I stupid? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, where is it? Where is it being held? Uh, it's in uh, Trentino in uh, Italy. It's actually a pretty cool parkour. So it's for the hilly riders and uh, Pogacar is going. So let's hope he's got a better form than I blew it. I'll tell you, Colbrelli's winning that. It's not even close. Colbrelli should win. Colbrelli should win that. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> they and, didn't take uh, it solo. Yeah, but I also think that the parkour might be a bit too hard for Nizzolo personally and perfect for Colbrelli. But uh, yeah, I'm curious what's going to happen there. And uh, I have no clue who goes for Belgium. I forgot about it. So Even a poll, I guess apparently. we'll see uh, on Wednesday. That's IT first, I think. So uh, yeah, pretty curious about it. All right. So apparently that's on. We'll be covering that 
um, and she walks <laughs> strong on the into covering that. But that's yes. all from the Benelux tour. Let us know what performances stand out from you. Who do you think performed in such a way that you're like, he should be on their world championships team for his nation and is actually low-key a good classics or cobbled classics rider. But until the Therites at the Vuelta recap and the proper uh, full Vuelta recap tomorrow, uh, ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 